amen, awesome job, guys. I'll be honest, I could not handpick a better song than that second song to go with this morning's message. And the first song where we remember, they were supposed to sing that song last week, and something happened and it got changed. Last week when they were going to sing a song about the goodness of the Lord and remember about all the things he's done, Joy and Tim had a roof over the head. Their house hadn't been destroyed by a tornado. But God moved it and had them sing that song this week. Man, what an important thing to remember. That even on the other side of the storms, God's still good. I know a lot of you suffered some damage and some of you lost some stuff. I don't know of any that's probably lost more so than the Pemberton's out of, out of our church. But I know a lot have been through a lot. But God answered the prayer when we heard all of it was coming. God, just protect our family. When, when, when I say protect our family, that, that, that's this to me. I pray for my immediate family, but that's, God, just protect our family. God, this thing's been coming for a long time. It's not going to be good when it gets here. Just protect our family. So I'm very thankful that all of you are able to be here this morning. God protected our family. Amen. You're going to be turning in your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the book of Judges, chapter number 14. We're going to look at a little short clip <clears throat> of the life of a man named Samson. You know, the, the Bible says that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, right? I'm very thankful that the Bible specifies that it is a sharp sword. Anybody ever been cut with anything dull? <laughs> John hurts, boy. Cut myself with hacksaws and dull knives, and that stuff hurts. You know, you get cut with sharp stuff, it don't really hurt. It changes some things. So I'm very thankful to know the Word of God tells us that, that it's sharper. Look, look into a man named, named Samson. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Samson? What's the first thing you think of? Strength. Strength. Anything else? Delilah. Long hair. What? Hair. <laughs> Dale, Dale said hair, period. He said, I'm about a long hair. <laughs> you know, the, the truth is, <clears throat> when you look at the, the life of really most any of these men in the Bible, but we're focusing on Samson, it really doesn't matter what you see as your first thought, you're correct. If, if you think of, well, the first thing I think of is strength and how the Bible talks about the strength when the Lord came upon him. All the things he'd done, you, you'd be correct. He was an incredibly strong man. He did some really strong things. But if you said, the first thing that I think of is weakness, you'd also be correct. If for nothing else, his weakness, just like Delilah, the things that are controlled around women. So both would be right. If, if, if you were to say, when I think of him, I think of success because I think of all the, the victories that he had, all of the, the, the success that he's had against the Philistines. So when I think, I think of success. But if you said, I think of failure, you'd also be right. Because if you read through his life, you'll find several times that he had several failures in his life and most of those were around women. Victory. So I think of victory. I mean, you know, now he killed the fox and or he, or he, he fled the with foxes in, in the fields. He, he killed the lion. He, he slayed a thousand Philistines with, with the jawbone of a donkey. So I, I think of victory. But if somebody else said, when I think of him, I think of failure, you'd also be right. 
Because if you look at his life there, what we see is that there, there's a lot of, of failure. So here's, here's the point that, that I want to make before I get started this morning. As we look at his life and we look at this one little event, his life isn't any different than yours and mine. His life has got valleys and his life's got mountaintops. His life's got some happy days. His life's got some sad days. His life's got some sunny days. His life's got some storms. His life's got some successes. His life has some failures. So really, as we look at this man's life, he's no different than you and I. Matter of fact, I would encourage you, if you like reading the Bible and you like knowing things, I would encourage you today when you go home, and you're probably looking at a 20, 25-minute read. Um, maybe you want to do a chapter a day for four days, but if you just read here in Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, you'll read about the entire life of Samson. You'll start in chapter 13 where his mother was barren that we'll look at in a minute and how the angel of the Lord came and, and he was born and how he was a Nazarite from the womb. And you'll see his successes, his failures, his ups, his downs, his, his joys, his sorrows. And by chapter 16, it's over. But you know, you will find him mentioned over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. We call it the hall of faith. I think it's verse number 32 after he's talked about Abraham and Moses and Sarah and all the successes, all the things of faith. And it talks about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. He says, you know, what shall I say more? The time wouldn't even allow him to mention. And Samson's put in that. You know what that tells me? That tells me that in spite of all of his failures, in spite of every mistake, that he finished strong. He finished strong enough that when God took time to pen Hebrews, Hall of Faith, there in chapter 11, he took time to mention a man's name that has a lot of failures. How many of you really just want to finish strong? You know, we can't go back and change yesterday, right? Can't go back and relive it. We can't go back and undo mistakes, but we can live on the other side of them. We can, we can live in the grace and the mercy of God. You know, it doesn't matter if you've got five years 25 years, 55 years, or 95 years left. You just want to finish strong. I just want to finish from this day forward, God. I just want to finish strong. I just want to be what you'd have me to be and do what you want me to do. Look at your neighbor and say, I just want to finish strong. If you didn't have time, look at them. I don't think they heard you. I just want to finish strong. Well... Here in our text this morning, Judges chapter number 14, I'm, I'm going to look at just th this one little bit of clip. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. It says that Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. He came and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, therefore get her for me to wife. <laughs> his father and mother said to him, Is there never a woman? Among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all of my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me. Verse number four has a really key statement here that, that is part of the first half of our story this morning. His father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. That's very important. It's very important to note right there that even though it didn't make sense and even though she was of the world, it looked like it has a purpose. It says that it is of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath. It says that they came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against him. 
The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. That's talking about a, a baby goat. He took this lion, and he rent it with his bare hands, just like if it were a baby goat. He had nothing in his hand, and he told not his father or his mother what he had done. He didn't tell them anything about it. He just took care of business, went on his way. He went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After a time, he returned to take her. He turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. He took thereof in the hand and hands and went on eating. And he gave to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. I, I want to look for just a few minutes this morning at keeping our eyes on our destiny. Father, thank you for being so good. Thank you for your protective hedge around this family, God. Thank you, Father, that we can come here this morning in the freedom of our country. Praise and worship and, Lord, pray on behalf of ourselves, pray on behalf of others. God, I pray, Father, would you meet with us this morning, God. I pray that in these next few minutes you just help us, God. I pray you teach us. God, I pray you'd help us to learn from your word. Father, I, I pray that you would help us, God, to get our eyes focused on our destiny. I pray, God, that you'd help us to get the things out of our past, the things that would distort and change and, and, and keep us from being all that you'd have us to be, God. I pray your sweet Holy Spirit would just do what only you can do in this place, God. I pray you'd use my lips to speak. I pray that you'd touch every heart in this place according to, to each need, God. Lord, we pray above all, would you be pleased in all that we do. We love you, God. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You know, last summer I preached a message <clears throat> from Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And, and it, the, the text in that message says, if it seems good unto you to serve the Lord. You, you get that? If it seems good unto you to serve the Lord, he says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Joshua told the people of Israel, it doesn't matter to me who you want to serve. It, it, it doesn't matter. If you want, if you want to serve the, the gods that your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, that's your business. You, you want to serve those false gods, fake gods. You want to serve the world. You want to serve the things that God has delivered you from. You want to serve your past. That's your business. Choose what you're going to serve. If you want to, if you want to serve the, the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell... We've crossed over the Jordan. God's driven out the Amorites. He's driven out their idols. He's driven out their false gods. Listen, you've seen the great things that God has done. You saw how God drove them out. But if you want to serve their gods, that's fine. That's fine. But make your choice. It's, it's your business. He said, that's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. But that, that text boils down to one simple thing. Just make your choice. But if you're going to serve that God, go serve that God. Don't put one foot in the church and act like you're something you ain't. If you're going to serve God, you put both feet in, you serve God, you look like a Christian, act like a Christian, walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, you put forth everything as a Christian. If you're going to serve God, serve God, not with half your heart, not with half your life, not on Sunday morning. That's what he says, make a choice. And, and what we looked at, the theme of that message that morning, was the, 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 the results of one bad choice can be devastating on our lives. This morning, we're going to look at destiny. Everybody has a destiny. God has a 
plan, a fully purposed plan. God told Joshua, before I knew thee, before I ever formed thee, I had a plan. We see here this morning looking at Samson, that he told his mother he'd be a Nazarite from the womb. God had a plan, and because God has no respect to a person, God has a plan for you. But whether or not we reach our destiny, it's going to boil down to the choices that we make. Adam and Eve was given one choice, one, one commandment, really. God said, everything is yours. Everything but this one fruit. You stay away from this one fruit. But they made a bad choice. Now, at that moment, the path to our destiny changed. It's not that we no longer have a destiny. It's that we're going to have to choose some things on the path to get to our destiny. So I want to look this morning here at Samson, just this little short clip. I'm going to be just a few minutes brief. The music was a little shorter so that we could have time for a meeting afterwards about he's alive and look at the Easter play coming up and the great things that God is going to do here. But before God can do anything great through this place, God's got to do something great in this place. Before God can do anything great through an individual, God's got to do something great in an individual. Before God can use anybody greatly, a lot of times he has to hurt somebody deeply. He's got to break some stuff. He's got to get some stuff out. He's got to clean up some things. He can't use the filthy for pure and holy. So, so we're going to have a meeting about he's alive afterwards. But we're going to look here for just a few minutes. Just a little short clip. I mean, Samson is a man who his very birth is the evidence of the supernatural power of God. He is a man whose destiny was told to his mother by an angel of the Lord before she ever even conceived. Because she, like so many other powerful women in the word of God, was barren. You, you think about women like Sarah. She was barren. She's an old woman. She can't have children. The Bible talks about Rachel and about Hannah, about Rebecca. So many that were barren. So we know that she's barren. But like so many other important women also in the Bible, we don't even know her name. She's the wife of Manoah. She, she is the mother of Samson. But in chapter 13, it says that an angel came and it, and it told his mom, she's going to have a son. and said, your son's going to be a Nazarite. See, that's an important statement because a Nazarite means something. A Nazarite is a very special individual. It comes from a word that means to be consecrated. It means to be for, for a holy purpose. It is someone whose life is holy and completely dedicated to the service of God. Now, there were some things that a Nazarite couldn't do. Number one, he could not drink strong drink. A Nazarite could not drink anything in alcohol. This particular vow is so strong that the angel told the mother, when you become pregnant, you can't drink. He, he told her in chapter 13, verse number 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman, said to her, Behold, now thou art barren, and thou bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore... Beware, I pray thee, drink, drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. So even the mother could not do anything unclean or drink anything unclean or anything alcoholic during the pregnancy because of what her son was going to be. So, so we know that it says he's going to be a Nazarite. Now we know because he couldn't drink, that rules out about 98% of the Catholics, right? And probably about, I don't know what, 83% of the Baptists. Number two, couldn't cut their hair. Verse number five in chapter 13 says, Lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. 
he shall begin to deliver Israel of the hands of the Philistines. Now, what we know is that his great strength came in, in his dreadlocks. His great strength came in his hair. He said that he couldn't get his hair cut. But number three, one of the things that a Nazarite can't do, they can't touch anything dead. They're not supposed to touch a dead animal so Samson doesn't drink. Samson doesn't, doesn't cut his hair. He's a man that God used many times to accomplish many incredible things. This man with this great strength, he had many great exploits. He's got many great accomplishments in his life, but he had some weaknesses. Just like you and I and every Christian, he had his own faults. Now, Samson is a man who has a great purpose. We see it in that opening statement about him. He has a great assignment. There is a great destiny set forth for him to reach. But because he could not keep his flesh under control, he ended up falling short of the destiny that God had set forth for him. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is teaching. He said in chapter 23, in verse number 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe. He says, you pay your tithe. You pay tithe of mint and these and coming. You have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. What Jesus says is you take care of the part of the things that you need to, to make yourself look holy to those that are looking. But you've got some compromise in your life that you've got to get out if you're going to serve me. <clears throat> you and I. Every other Christian, anybody that claims to be a Christian, it's more than just coming to church. It's more than just being in a program. It's more than just coming to be seen of men so that others think we're holy. It's more than, than, than just being Christ-like when we're around other Christians. It's about being Christ-like all the time, even when it isn't popular. We've talked about this on Wednesday nights for the past two weeks because two weeks ago we in the, we're going through the book of Acts in our study and we we're in chapter 19 up until this week we finished it. But last week we read verse 18, 19, and 20. It says that many believe, came, and confessed, showed their deeds. What we have here is the apostle Paul he is there preaching and, and teaching and souls are being saved. Lives are being changed and those that are saved, they, they have come in and, and it says they showed their deeds. Many of them also it's used. Curious arts brought their books together and they burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found it. 50,000 pieces of silver. So what you find is these people that were saved, they, they came and they, they had books on sorcery. They had books on, on devil worship. They had idols of, of the great goddess Diana. They had stuff in their life. And it says that they brought it and they burned it all in the fire. And it was of a great monetary value, but they didn't try to sell it or reuse it. They burned it in the fire. And it says because of that, that the word of God grew and prevailed. Because of that. That means the ones that got saved, they brought their garbage. They brought all of their bad habits. They brought all of their evil deeds. They brought all of the idols of their life. They brought all of the things of their life that were sin. They brought all the things of their past and anything that would hinder their walk with the Lord. And it says that they burned it in the fire. That's not the casual Christianity of today. That, that's not what we see out of people proclaiming to be Christians today. That's not what we see out of most people that claim to get saved in this casual Christianity world that we're in today. We want fire insurance. We don't want to go to hell. But surrender my life? Come on. 
Surrender the things of my past. Surrender things that are worldly that I enjoy. See, we want to hold on to too many things that will keep us from ever reaching our potential for God. Note takers, you ready? We will never reach our destiny until we willfully leave the desires of the flesh out of our lives. One of the things that Samson never got a hold on in his life was his desire for worldly women. You, you mentioned Delilah. One of the things you think of, <clears throat> you know, you, <clears throat> Delilah cost him some stuff. She cost him his hair, which cost him his strength, which cost him his eyesight, which cost him his life, which kept him from getting to his destiny. But that's a whole different woman. That, that's not the woman here that, that we're talking about in our text. So we're just going to stay with the text. He's on his way to pursue this woman. He, he wants her for his wife. She is of the of the Philistines. He tells his parents, his father, his mother, they're upset about it. Never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among my, all my people. That thou going to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistine. You're going to go to the enemy and get one and bring over here. You kidding me? I mean, surely there's something better. Samson said, get her for me. She pleased me well. But as I told you, verse number four is a critical part of our story. His father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. And he's on his way to get the woman. And, and on his way there, his father and his mother with him. He went down, his father and mother to Timnath. He came to the vineyards. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Caution number one. Anytime you set out to do anything that is of the Lord. There is an enemy who walketh about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour who will come against you. Anytime you set out to do something for the Lord. Verse number six says that the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he ran him as he would have ran a kid and he had nothing in his hand. He, he killed the lion with his bare hands. He killed the lion and, the, and there's why the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. In the Old Testament, the spirit of the Lord came upon people for, for a certain purpose at a certain time for a certain event. But as soon as that event was ended, then the Holy Spirit left that person. At the end of chapter 13, talking about Samson, it says in verse 24, the woman bare son, called his name Samson, the child grew. The Lord blessed him. Verse 25 says that the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. See, you and I as Christians today, that's not how we do it. That, that's not how the Holy Spirit does it. We are in the New Testament time. We are under the new covenant of the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. We, we are under the new dispensation of, dispensation of grace. So, so we have the blessing of the Holy Spirit living in us all the time. We, we don't have to hope that the Holy Spirit shows up when the lion shows up and gives us strength over the lion. We have the Spirit of God living in us at all times. So anytime any lion comes, we have the power to overcome the lion. <clears throat> when we fail, we, we are without excuse because we failed to listen to the guiding of the Holy Spirit before the lion ever got there. Samson's on his way to his destiny. The lion comes against him. Can I just say everybody has lions? Everybody has enemies. Everybody has those that, that will come up against them when you're on your way to do something great for the Lord. <clears throat> Listen, 
Hey, you know what? I decided I'm going to be in the choir. Awesome. You know what? I know we need a lot of help. She was very polite in the way she said that. She said, if you want to help, can I just tell you we need you to help? Let, let me just plug that in. If you got children over here, I'm fixing to lose the whole congregation. It'd be a really good idea if you signed up and worked once every couple, three months and helped. Keep, keep your own as long as others. We, we, we need help. But, but understand that when you sign up, that's signing up to do something for the Lord. When, when you sign up to be and he's alive. And I'm not talking to come up here to put on a costume to see or be seen. I'm not talking about that, that, hey, I just want to be a part of something. No, no, I'm talking about when you say, I'm dedicating my life, wholly consecrated. I want God to use me. I, I'll, be, I'll be doing up there. I'll be up there hoping I don't fall off behind the scene. Nobody will ever see me. But I want to be used for the glory of God. See, when you sign up to do anything, lions are going to come against you. What we see right here is <clears throat> Samson kills the lion, but. See, that there's a but in the story. Verse number 8, after a time, he returned to take her. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. See, some, somebody's going to need to pay close attention. I don't have just a few minutes. I'm done. Remember, remember he can't touch a dead carcass, right? Remember, he has some things that as a Nazarite he can't do, right? Remember some things as a Christian. We have some things as a Christian that we can't do, right? Y'all still with me? The enemy never stops. The enemy never stops. He never stops trying to be a distraction. Sometimes he is as obvious as a roaring lion. And sometimes he appears sweet as honey. You notice it says that he's a young lion. He's not an old lion. In some old toothless lion, scarred up and scraggly. Not some old homeless weathered lion. This is a young lion come up against him. You know, probably got some physique, some stamina. Maybe a good looking lion. But the lion comes up against him. What we see is that he defeated the enemy the first time. Anybody listening? He defeated the enemy the first time, but he went back for another look. Y'all still awake? You got 10 more minutes? Four minutes this is important for somebody. He defeated the enemy the first time, but he didn't take her number out of his phone. He defeated the enemy the first time, but you know, he just stopped by just to check on her, you know, just see how she's doing, right? He defeated the enemy the first time, but he just sent her a check, a text, just to check on her and let, let her know that, or he just went to her Facebook post, you know, just, just to check and see if there's anything new in her life. He defeated the enemy the first time, but he just stopped by the old ballroom just to see who was there. He defeated the enemy the first time, but he just went down to the nightclub just to say hey to some old friends. He defeated the enemy the first time, but he just stopped by the liquor store just to see the owner because he ain't seen him for a little bit. He's just going to see what's going on. See, you got to understand, he couldn't see the bees from the distance. 
He, he couldn't see the honey from the distance. He couldn't see the honey until he went over and he looked in. See, we get in trouble when we stop by just to check on the things that God has killed in our lives. Old things are supposed to be passed away. Old things are supposed to be gone. Well, we get in trouble and we start digging up bones. We start checking on the things that God killed in our life, delivered us from in our life, saved us from in our life. And we start checking on things that we ain't got no business checking on. It's over. It's, 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 the, the, the line is defeated. But he's still messing with it. The, the enemy, when he came as a lion, was defeated, but, but, but you're still dabbling on it. You, you, you're, still, you're still checking on See, the first time he saw the danger, because it looked like a lion, he saw the danger, and he killed the lion. But when he went back to take another look, he saw something that he liked. He liked honey. When he went back to look at what God had already taken out of his life, he saw something that attracted Because the Nazarites, remember, they're not supposed to touch anything dead. But the honey's in the dead thing. And he likes honey. See, what gets a Christian in trouble is looking in places we have no business looking. What gets a Christian in trouble is going to places that we have no business going. What gets a Christian in trouble is associating with people we have no business associating with. What gets us in trouble is watching things that we have no business watching. What gets a Christian in trouble is listening to stuff, putting stuff in our mind that we have no business listening to. What gets a Christian in trouble is looking into the things of the world because we belong to the Lord. Until our love for God exceeds anything in our past. Until our love for God exceeds anything in our present. In anything in this world. Until our love for God is greater than, than anything else in this world. We are one bad choice away from missing our destiny. Can I just tell you this morning, doesn't matter what it is, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Whatever it is, a few minutes of worldly pleasure is not worth losing your entire family over. A, a, a few drinks to dull the senses just for a few moments is not worth losing your testimony over. A night just to hang out at the old nightclub or the place it used, used to be it is not worth the deformation of character that it will cost you. You'll spend your life building a reputation that you can tear down in 30 seconds. The devil, the devil makes it look sweet. Looks like honey. Tastes like honey. But it's in a dead carcass. So that means to touch it is going to be against God's will for his destiny. Go home and read what happens. If you don't read 13, 14, 15, and 16, that'll cover his whole life. Go home and read right there, pick up right there at chapter 14 at verse number 9 and read on. Find out what happens with that woman. Find out about how that betrayal goes. Find out just, just about that little bit. See, it's, it's not different than Eve. God, God told him not to eat the fruit, right? The fruit didn't look bad to look at, but she had no business looking at it. That's why the devil brought it to her and said, look at it. The fruit didn't feel bad to touch it, but she had no business touching it. 
That's why the devil brought it to her and said, here, why don't you just touch it? We have our future in front of us as Christians, and the devil wants to destroy it. You have a calling on your life that the devil wants to take away. You have a destiny God has given every one of us, a destiny that the devil wants to keep us from it. No momentary worldly pleasure is worth missing out on everything that God has in store for you and I. God woke me up early Thursday morning. One thought on my mind, one, one, one liner. And I couldn't get it off, couldn't get it off my mind. I finally did what I was supposed to do to start with. I just got up and went and wrote it down. That's all God gave me. Samson had a destiny, but his destiny was detoured by distractions. Christians have a destiny. But our destiny is easily detoured by the distractions of the world. And as a result of that, he lost his hair, which means he lost his strength. He lost his eyesight. He died earlier than he should have, which means he did not accomplish all that God had in store. He never reached his full potential. You know, I used a quote from Rick Warren a couple weeks ago. You'll remember it. If you didn't write it down last time, write it down this time because you're going to need this. Every Christian needs this. This is a great quote. You were made by God and for God. Y'all got that part wrote down? You were made by God. You need to put quotations right here. And for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. When we understand that we are created for God's glory, for God's good, for God's purpose, for God to use, for God to do excessively great things through, it'll help us understand that God has a plan. No matter what storm, no matter what trial, no matter what you face, God has a plan. Zig Ziglar was quoted on Brainy Quotes as saying, You were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. When the devil comes after you as a roaring lion, he's easy to recognize. I've told you all this before, and I really believe this. I believe a lot of times that the devil comes as a roaring lion on purpose. See, the devil knows what our greatest weakness is. Anybody listen? I promise. This five minutes tops. The devil knows our greatest weakness. He knows everything you look at, everything you talk about. He don't know what you think about, praise God. So if you're thinking and you don't have him know it, keep it to yourself. Because he can hear everything you say. He's got a record of you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your faults. He knows your failures. Certainly knows your past. He uses that against you. But, but he will use things. And I, I truly believe that he will come to you as a roaring lion, knowing that you will recognize that temptation and give you victory. And he may do it multiple times so you become so confident in yourself, you're not paying quite so much attention now. You're not as guarded as you would have been. But, and now you've won so many victories against so many lions, you begin to think that, that you're doing really well and you'll never fail. But what about when he comes disguised as a jar of honey? What about when he comes with tight blue jeans on, blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever tickles your fancy? What, what about when he comes in a bottle? 
What about he comes in the things, the desires of your past, the things that you're trying to get rid of? What, what about when he comes in? See, if we keep our eyes on our destiny, then we won't be looking inside dead carcasses. If we keep our eyes in the book, we won't be looking in the past. If we keep our eyes on the things that God has in store, we won't be worried about where he's brought us from. We'll just be thankful that he brought us from there. But if we'll keep our eyes on what matters, we won't be looking in the carcasses. See, there, there, there's, there's somebody in here this morning. We, we're all just Christians. We're all just brothers and sisters, right? We just, we just real. We just family. We all got past. We all got problems. We all got where God brought us from. But there, there's, there's some people in here this morning that have some things in your life that don't belong there. There, there are some things that, that as a Christian, there are some things that, that you've got to get rid of. They've got to go before you can ever reach your destiny. And whatever it is that's on your mind right now, that's it. Somebody here knows exactly what I'm talking about. From the very moment I, I started, Holy Spirit's been putting it. Somebody, you got something on your mind right now. Let, 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 let me just do this. Whatever it is that's on your mind, whatever it is, whatever that honey in the carcass is that looks so sweet and tastes so sweet, think about it right now and think about it for the last time in your life. Think, think about it right now and then think about this. Think about the consequence. And answer one question. Is it worth it? And I can tell you the answer is not. There ain't nothing this world has to offer you that's worth the things that God has in store for you. You know the old saying. You've heard it an awful lot of times. His sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. And a Christian in here that doesn't have a testimony of that. It says that sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. What that means is it took you further than you wanted to go. And once you realized that you'd gotten too far out there, you started trying to find a way out of it. But you done reached into the carcass and took the honey. And the honey's pretty good. And so now you're taking it and giving it to your mom and dad. But you ain't telling them where it comes from. So it's done, it's done took you further than you wanted to go. And now it's keeping you and you really want to get back. But if you don't remember nothing else, you better remember part number three from that old saying. Sin will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. And that's the result of sin. It'll cost you everything that matters to you in your life. It'll cost you everything that's important. Your home, your family, whatever you cherish in your heart. That's what it is that the devil's looking to destroy. Whatever it is that matters most to you, that's what it is that the devil wants to take out. Because he wants to hurt you deeply. So whatever is the most important to you, that's what he's coming after in your life. And I've told you a lot of times, it's easy to recognize the roaring lion. But it's not so easy when all you did was went to the water fountain to get a drink of water and met somebody of the opposite sex and had one simple hello. And if it takes the devil four years from that water fountain meeting to ruin your life, he don't care. As long as he ruins your life. There's a lot of Christians that's got something in their life and they know what it is. Until they get it out, they're not going to really get much further in their Christian walk. 
we're praying, we're asking for God to use this church. To use us greatly. To do something mighty. We're praying as a church, God help us to reach this town one soul at a time. God help us to be a testimony, a living, breathing light on a hill that the world can see that we might change our hometown one soul at a time. We won't change anybody out there until everything's been completely changed in here. I want to ask if you just stand where you are. You got somebody you want to pray for? You want to be praying for the Easter play? You, you want to be praying for, for it work? You, you certainly, as we need to be praying for those that are affected by the storm, you, you want to be thanking God for what he's done in your life. The altar's open. You're, you're welcome to come use the altar to pray for whatever you need to pray for. But there's somebody right now, and you can pray right where you are. But you got something in your life that's got to go. And you're not the only one who knows what it is. You think you're hiding stuff from the church. That's fine. You can do that. But you can't hide it from God. You know, every time that, that you, you get into it, that little tugging inside that you know you ain't supposed to be doing that, that is that Holy Spirit. That is that Holy Spirit that gave victory to overcome the lion. That same Holy Spirit is present to overcome the jar of honey. But the honey doesn't look so ferocious. It didn't look bad in the beginning. But it didn't take long till we realize that jar of honey was a pack of lions. It was full of evil and deceit and wickedness and heartbreak. It was full of ungodliness and all things that take us in the wrong direction. I'm going to ask you right now for every, every head bowed. Think of the lions that God's killed in your life. Think of your victories. Think of the things that God has brought you through and praise Him. Thank Him. God, thank you so much. Take a quick glance into your past at the things that He, that he washed away. But then remember this, that old things are passed away. That means that's no longer part of your life. They're passed away so they're no longer part of your present. And they cannot be part of your future. If old things truly are passed away, then behold, all things truly can become new. So it's okay to look back on the victories of your past and say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for destroying that lion. For, for conquering that, that mountain in my life. But if you got a jar of honey sitting on your nightstand you need to do some business with God God I need to overcome this jar of honey God I have revisited the carcass of the things that you killed in my life I have looked into things I had no business looking into I have gone back to places I had no business going I have revisited the things of my past maybe even worse than that as a Christian on this side of Calvary I've opened a new jar of honey Listen, just because you got saved, the devil didn't stop hating you. Just because you got saved, the devil didn't stop trying to destroy you. Just because you got saved, the devil didn't stop offering different jars of honey. If anything, he upped the ante because he wants to destroy your life. So that when you tell the world you're a Christian, they can see death and destruction in your life and say, oh, I don't want none of that. That's what the devil's looking for. That's why he wants to destroy your life.
going to ask you if you would. You just be praying whatever it is you need to be praying about. But I want to ask you if you've never been saved. If you've never been saved. Honey's not always bad. Honey's a good thing. The honey's not the problem. It's what the honey represents. I told Dale earlier, I'm glad they're not singing Honey in the Rock this morning. It'd mess up everything I'm preaching, but it really wouldn't. The honey in the carcass should have been left alone, but the honey in the rock is good stuff. See, the devil uses things that resemble God. The devil uses the Word of God, and he changes one or two words to distort what he says, and he uses things that looks like honey. He uses those things to distort, but there truly is honey in the rock. Purpose in his plan power in the blood healing in his hands if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today is your day today is your day don't, don't walk out of here lost and on your way to hell it is the blood of Jesus that washes away all sin if you're a child of God and you got some stuff that you need to get out you do business with God now you're not a child of the king that's what you need first it's up to you to say father forgive me i'm a sinner lord i'm just asking you to come into my heart forgive me of my sins and save my soul i'm just asking you to erase my past write my name in the lamb's book of life that i might be a child of the king but that's not a lip service poem you don't get to pray that and go back to your past that is all things in right now all things become new right now. Father, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I'm asking you to take my life in your hand. Lead God and direct it. Keep me away from evil. Point me in the way you'd have me to go. Father, I, from this day forward, I want to finish strong. I'm sorry for all the sins of my past. I'm sorry for my sins today. But from this day forward, if you save me, Father, I just want to serve you. I just want to finish strong. Go ahead and sing, guys. <laughs>